You're listening to Nostalgia Be Damned. Hello, everybody. My name is Zach. I'm Brandon. A.K.A. DJ Loaded Dice. They came for the gold. They stayed for the adventure. You're listening to a new episode of Nostalgia Be Damned, the show where we take some of your favorite movies from your childhood or those movies that you remember fondly, and we look at them objectively and let you know, do they hold up? This week, we watch 2000's animated adventure comedy, The Road to El Dorado. What? A movie, Brandon. What a film. Zach, you've been requesting this one for a while now. Um, Let's switch up our background and actually go with what your feelings are towards this movie because you've been kind of pestering. Honestly, it's been getting getting kind of on my nerves. I I, I didn't want to say anything and I didn't want to air our grievances out loud for the public to hear, but fuck you, you know? All right. Well, you know what? I fucking hate you and that's the end of Nostalgia Be Damned. (laughs) Um, thanks for listening, everybody. This has been fun. Uh, see you, see you never. Yeah. Bye. My thoughts on this movie now, or my thoughts on this movie back when, uh, when I was a kid. Come on, Zach. The whole fucking, you know how this goes. I, we, we talk about our feelings. Well, you said switch it up. No, no. I meant switch it up as in, I don't want to do the background as in what the reviews were, all that stuff. Oh, okay. Yeah. Yeah. Sure. Your thoughts on this movie. Fuck. You know what? See you, dude. Yeah, this is the end of the podcast. That's it. We are, we're never doing this again. Uh, thanks for listening. Bye. Two two gunshots. <laughs> um, no, this movie. I don't. You know what? I to this day can't really tell you why I was so obsessed with this movie maybe obsessed isn't the right word but i watched this movie a lot when i was younger for some reason it was a movie that got rented uh quite often i don't think i ever actually owned it there was something about it that like maybe it was the animation maybe it was the humor in it back when i was younger but something about this movie stuck out and it was one of my favorites that i never saw in theaters but one that i always loved to get on dvd Okay, all right. Well, I, dude, I can't remember watching this that often. I remember it was like the very similar animation to The Prince of Egypt, which I, which I did watch a bunch as a kid. Uh, that was a Sunday school thing. The few weeks I went as a peek behind the curtain in Brandon's past. Yikes! <laughs> but I, I do remember getting this one confused with Sinbad, that one with Brad Pitt, the the pirate movie, and then also it kind of also was similar to The Emperor's New Groove, which came out the same year. It just kind of got lost in that shuffle of that similar animation set in the jungle. I don't know, like I, it was just kind of forgotten for me, honestly, for for many years. Yeah, it's definitely, and I think not just for a lot of people, a movie that just kind of sank into obscurity a little bit that not a lot of people do actually think about when they reminisce on some of their favorite childhood cartoons. Well, thankfully, at the time of recording, it is on Hulu, so, you know, you could pause it, watch that movie, come back and listen, or listen, and then maybe decide if you want to watch it or not. You know, I'm not going to tell you how to live your life. Right. Really quick, before we get into everything, I do want to mention, there was, I forgot what I was looking up, but I just typed in The Road to El Dorado on Google, and uh, one of the first YouTube suggestions that popped up was, greatest moments of... (laughs) 
<laughs> of Road to El Dorado. What? Someone put a super cut of this up? The people who did like this movie as a kid um, may not be strong in numbers, but they are strong in passion. Not a single person had a fucking shitty thing to say in the comments section about this movie. Is the fucking Oscars real? Yeah, apparently. My God, but we'll have to see if it holds up. Wow, we got some roadies, some roadies for El Dorado, huh? Yeah. But strangely enough, our second movie on this podcast that centered around Gold and Cortez. You know what? We've been settling into a lot of the, a similar <laughs> themed movie. Like, this seems like a fucking fifth movie in a line of movies where I'm just like, okay, <laughs> here we go. Like, like, <laughs> what are we doing here with our It just kind of struck here, me when I was watching it because Cortez makes... Uh, appearance in this movie and like pirates of the caribbean is about pirates who steal the gold of cortez or something like that it just it made me laugh the road to el dorado was directed by bebo bergeron i'm gonna i hope that's how it's pronounced i don't who know who cares bebo bergeron and don paul and an uncredited uh, jeffrey katzenberg who of course is the dreamworks studio executive producer he kind of ghost directed this movie i don't know if he wanted his name off because he wasn't very proud of it or if or if he uh, just didn't want to steer the credit away from these two gentlemen uh don paul never went on to direct anything else however bergeron did go co-direct a possible nostalgia be damned stay tuned shark tale Ooh, you know? actually a requested thing on shark tale or on nostalgia be damned and another movie called a monster in paris something i've never heard of but i am a oh, really? uncultured swine as i was you gonna know. say you are because i have heard it i've never seen it so i'm not gonna brag but i have heard of it oh shit okay well damn i'm gonna give you a handshake next time i see you maybe a kiss on the cheek maybe two what Huh? This was not a big box office success. In fact, it was kind of considered a box office bomb. It cost $95 million to make. I don't know how, but it... Uh, it $95 earned- <laughs> million? Dollars? Did they use real gold? What happened? <laughs> no, they mocapped the entire thing. They really shot... They had to create that fucking stone jaguar at the end. Andy Circus was the jaguar. Yeah. You look at the cast list, though, to be fair... There's a there's some heavy hitters on this cast. Oh, we're going to get into the goddamn cast list. <laughs> uh, all right, so yeah, $95 million to make. It earned $50 million in the U.S. and $76 million worldwide. It finished 52nd for the year of 2000, finishing behind other Nostalgia Be Damned classics such as How the Grinch Stole Christmas, Dinosaur, Chicken Run, The Emperor's New Groove, Scream 3, and Final Destination, but... It grossed more than Reindeer Games and Titan AE. Dude, do you remember a a year or two ago when we first pitched this show and one of the things I said is I'd really like to focus on movies of the early 2000s? Well, it's happening, Brandon. (laughs) This is why. (laughs) It's a weird time for movies, that's for sure. I'm fascinated with it. Yeah. So the film has a 6.9 on IMDb and a 48% on Rotten Tomatoes. Didn't get a lot of critical uh, love, honestly. However, it did score a win at the Critics' Choice Awards for Best Composer, Hans Zimmer. And the score in this, I must say, pretty damn good. Yeah, the score is is very good. I like this sort of aztec feel to it. Uh, other aspects of the music in this movie, I cannot wait to get into. 
Well, why don't you uh, tell everyone who kind of sings most of, I'd say all of the songs. Yeah, every single one of them. I think there's like 10 of them in the movie. Yeah, but I think there's one that's sung by uh, the two main actors of the movie. Um, But for the most part, almost all the music in this uh, movie is sung by Sir Elton John. I did not remember that at all. And I was trying to think, God, I get all of these confused because I get Sting mixed up with the Emperor's New Groove because that's the one he did. And then Phil Collins did, I think, Brother Bear and Tarzan. Correct. And then Elton John did, what, Lion King? And I think he, didn't he do another Disney movie? Or am I, am I losing my mind? Mm-hmm. The two leads here, uh, playing Miguel and Tulio, are Kevin Klein and Sir Kenneth Branagh. Respected who- actor. We last saw, by the way, in Wild Wild West, uh, yucking it up with Will Smith. And I gotta say, these two guys are the same person. Their voices sound very similar. If you put them together, like, next to each other on a police lineup, I'm gonna get them mistaken for each other. They're just, like, nothing. You know, the the black-haired one, Tulio, should have been Jeff Goldblum, right? It looks like Jeff Goldblum. Why is it not voiced by Jeff Goldblum? Dude, you know what? I don't have an answer for you other than, I I mean, I love both of these actors separately. I love both of these actors, not necessarily maybe in the concept of, context of this film. In any other movie, I, I see this pair and I'm like, yes, yeah, sign me up, but you're right. In an animated film, Wild, Wild it West. is, yeah, in Wild Wild West, obviously. Side by side, it's or in an animation it's it is tough to like kind of distinguish that i don't know if it's the writing in this movie but they're putting out the same energy kind of the same just tempo up with each other it's the worst odd coupling ever (laughs) because they're matching each other so well they're just the same person Yeah. yeah I'm trying to think. It'd be like if Paul Dano and Rami Malek did like a like some like a weird man off. Uh, yeah, I would watch the shit out of that. Are you kidding me? I'd be all over that. <laughs> I'd pay for twelve tickets to that. <laughs> and then the usher would be very confused. Like, why did you waste all this money? And you're like, eh, it was a bad decision. Shut, shut, shut up, this. shut up, shut up, shut up, shut <laughs> up. So some other actors who were considered for the role, uh, Antonio Banderas, who makes more sense to me, uh, and Adam Sandler were considered for the role of Tulio, mm-hmm. and Dennis Leary and Jim Carrey were considered for the role of Miguel. Oh my god. Jim Carrey as Miguel would have been off the fucking wall bonkers. Typically, voice artists in animated movies uh, record their parts alone with no actors or actresses in the studio with them or interacting with each other. In a break with this tradition, both Kevin Klein and Kenneth Branagh did record their dialogue together, which I think kind of shows in their chemistry they're working very well off each other. Yeah, no, I mean, we talk about how they're kind of matching each other's energy, but that totally makes sense that they would be in the same room because their lines just kind of bounce right off each other very well. So the inception of this project, and maybe their chemistry leads back to the original screenplay, I guess apparently this has been bumped around for a while, back in like the late 90s, mid to late 90s, this script. Katzenberg, I think, got his hands on it eventually. In the original screenplay, Tulio and Miguel were supposed to be lovers. Mm. And the idea was cut by, yeah, studio executives, and then the character of Chell was created, who's Rosie Perez in this, who is seductively drawn, I might add. I, I just see a studio executive hearing this, they're like, nope, too gay, too gay, too gay. Uh, let's let's straight it up a little bit. And and But back when this was first also conceived, it was also going to be a PG-13 
kind of raunchier and was still meant to be animated, but they wanted it to be sort of more of an adult approach. But then I guess after Katzenberg got his hands on it and The Prince of Egypt, which was already in production at DreamWorks, because that one was pretty heavy and serious, they wanted something lighter in tone. So they switched it all up to be kind of an, an adventure comedy tone down the sex jokes although there are a few in here um for a pg rating oh are there and uh lastly this movie was considered to be uh, part of a series they, they hoped this was going to be a box office success similar to what would become the shrek film franchise about all of these different characters to leo chell ativo the horse you know miguel even the fucking armadillo was gonna have all these different uh stories about them going around that were actually planned about them searching after different legends and stuff and however after the disappointing box office results it was immediately canceled <laughs> and that kind of explains the ending to this too which we'll touch on but man i this this movie just sounds like so much trouble <laughs> so much trouble even before it gets off the ground i mean 95 million dollars just to make a movie that went through all those sort of script change ah fucking fuck me I, I don't understand what costs that much like i don't even think i think shrek cost about that right like we talked about that recently in an episode i don't think shrek it, shrek was around that same cost and that was two years later granted i think that was in production about the same time as this but that was a computer animated generation and an amazing voice cast who was demanding, I'm assuming, probably, you know, near a million dollars to just record their voices. They're not bringing down, you know, Kevin Klein and Kenneth Branagh aren't bringing down that salary, I don't think, at this time. Uh, I don't know. Maybe Kenneth Branagh is, I mean, still considered a, a high talent Shakespearean actor, but I don't know. Oh, yeah. No, I'm not saying they're not respected actors. I just don't consider them blockbuster, you know, marquee names that are going to draw audiences, I guess. They're definitely not for voice animation going to draw down Mike Myers and Eddie Murphy money. Well, let's travel down this road, my friend. Let's we do it. open up in 1519 Spain. Well, hold on. Don't you forget the Elton John song to open up that gives Holy us shit. exposition about what El Dorado is and how it got there. El Dorado! This is some trippy-ass animation, this opening title sequence. I kind of dig it. It's actually really cool, and mm -hmm. the shape, you know, shapes and colors, there's fucking neon lights and stuff. I will say the animation in this is pretty cool. Yeah, there's a lot of beautiful colors in this movie. Uh, I will say this, though, now that we're finally into the movie, I think uh, for all the energy that the voice actors are putting into this, I think there's one person who kind of slept on this movie and just kind of like, you know, didn't put a ton of effort into it. And it's Elton John. I'm just going to say it. Elton John's <laughs> lyrics in this fucking suck. I don't I don't think I liked a single Elton John song in this. Whoa, Maybe one. okay, come on, man. Yeah, I mean, there's a few of them. I will say they're pretty on the nose, a lot of them. Uh, <laughs> yeah, they're not the, the best songs of their ilk, but I do think there's some catchy numbers in here. Nah, I don't know, man. If you're, if we're gonna compare, <laughs> if we're gonna compare prior Elton John works to fucking the Road to El Dorado soundtrack, I just... <laughs> I can't I can't pick out a song that I'm like, yeah, man, I would I would set this into the Elton John rotation. I don't think a single one of them. Well, well, you're going to get a lot of them. All right. Yeah, so, we yeah are. the first one is El Dorado and it sets up, you know, our two heroes and yeah, El Dorado, the legend, really. But we introduced we're introduced to our heroes on a wanted poster. 
Miguel and Tulio. Miguel is Kenneth Branagh. Tulio is Kevin Klein. You're going to forget that, and I will too, because they're both indistinguishable. Oh, I won't. Really like their energy, but I forget. I remember. I could distinguish both of them. See, I had to start remembering them by just simply their hair color, because, I mean, I guess that's how you do. Yeah, that's literally, I was just like, all right, black-haired one, that one's Kevin Klein. All right. Because they also both kind of look like the blonde one, Miguel, like if they were in animated form and young and hot and had a mustache goatee, they'd look like that guy. I guess. I don't know. I, I the way Another good way to remember it is that uh, Kevin Klein, I think, has darker hair and Kenneth Branagh uh, has always had blonder hair. You think there's any cartoon fanfic of these two doing weird stuff on a Tumblr somewhere? Oh, my God. There is absolutely something about these two getting weird together. And Chell's involved later on, Rosie Perez. She's gotta be. Oh, yeah, of course. Well, Miguel and Tulio, they're two con artists, and yeah, they're introduced rolling loaded die, and they're winning, and they, they have a habit of having luck at the best times. Like, the very first time this happens is the guy bets this legendary map to... El Dorado, the city of gold, he actually insists that they use his own dice because I think he might find out or be suspicious that they're cheating him. And they wind up rolling the seven that they need to, you know, win their whole pot and the map. This is your first instance of getting these two sort of the chemistry that they work together and how they con people because they get in a fake argument and a fake sword fight and that's how they get away but then dude hilarious they run into a bullpen but they hide in some barrels and are brought aboard one of the ships that i guess are led by cortez right the conquistador yeah famous spanish conquistador uh yeah they they land in his ship like in a couple of barrels and as they finally get out of the barrels of course they're on deck in the middle of the ocean and discovered and thrown into the break almost immediately by cortez cortez is voiced by jim cummings and it's the exact same voice jim cummings used in many movies it's the exact like shrek all i could think of is like hey, you ogre the same guy's voice <laughs> yeah basically if he's not doing winnie the pooh he's doing that deep growly raspy jim cummings voice you think things are going one way when they just start to it, it's really weird like he's set out for the new world right he's not looking for el dorado I, you know what? I don't know. He does say, because we, we skipped over it because it wasn't really worth mentioning at that point, that he does say that he's going off to the New World looking for gold. Okay, that's true. But he never, but he never specifies at any point until like the very end of the movie that he's looking specifically for El Dorado. So no, it's just like, no, we're going to the New World and we're going to dock in Cuba and then we're going to keep going or something like that. Whatever. So he is not having any stowaways. He has them imprisoned and intends to have them flogged and enslaved when they arrived. Miguel winds up talking to this funny horse. There's always got to be a funny sidekick animal, man. And this one is a doozy. This one proceeds uh, tangled, though. You know, I think there have been a few funny horse characters since. I'm not saying this is the first funny horse character. I'm just saying one of many. I know what a lot of you are thinking. You're sitting there and you're like, oh, that's disappointing. Just one funny animal sidekick? No, dude. Stay tuned. Hold on to your balls, because there's about to be two. <laughs> there's about to be two funny animal sidekicks, just like Moana. Fuck you, Moana. Yeah, fuck you, Moana. I don't think anyone in the history of the world has ever said those two words out loud, like, together. And we like, said it Moana twice. Wonderful. We said it twice. <laughs> That's the kind of groundbreaking yeah. fucking commentary you get on Nostalgia Be Damned. 
Yeah, so it's Altivo, obviously voiced by Frank Welker because it's an animal and he does all animal voices. Mm-hmm. Um, and yeah, he's Cortez's horse, big and white and kind of dumb, but super funny. So Miguel convinces him or talks to him, bribing him with an apple, getting some keys, winds up unlocking him thanks to the horse. Cool, good job, horse. Mm-hmm. And they steal a rowboat to get off. And then this dumb fucking horse leaps off the side of the boat after they're on their, you know, their escape plan. Yeah, and Miguel wants to go fucking rescue him. They end up, like, tipping over the boat and losing a ton of their provisions that they set out to go back to Spain. And, uh... That just kind of like sets off in motion that they're stuck in the middle of the ocean with no food, no water or anything. Holy shit. Uh Oh, that one. Yeah. Yeah. Because they almost get fucking creamed by those ships, which doesn't make sense later because days pass and we're meant to believe that they get to their destination that much quicker than these, you know, conquistadors. Turns out they're going to the same place. Well, 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 Brandon. Days later to get to it. So Brandon, if you were paying attention, the conquistadors were stopping in Cuba to restock. Fuck, dude. You're right. Yeah, fucking why don't you pay attention to the movies? I feel like I'm the only one putting any effort into this. Sorry, I was just too busy humming Elton John's El Dorado. (laughs) Well, don't worry, because we're about to get a new Elton John song in about two seconds when they finally do land in the new world and they're on a beach. Whoa, what? You're just going to skip the whole fucking Life of Pi segment where they're stuck in shark-infested waters with a horse and a raft boat? You're right, Brandon. Why don't you go over all the plot-changing things that happen in the uh, Life of Pi segment? Well, there's a little montage, obviously. Stop, Um, stop, 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 stop. (laughs) They float in the ocean, they're hungry and they're delusional, and a seagull gets eaten by a shark even though they wanted to eat it. It doesn't fucking matter. It just doesn't fucking matter. But basically, they're resigned. Yeah, they're resigned to death. They share their one regret, and Tulio, like an asshole, is that he didn't get enough gold. Which, by the way, we'll talk about character arcs at the end of this, but uh, keep that in mind. Oh my god! And then Miguel wishes yeah. that the world remembered them for their great, you know, adventures. Gosh, humble brag, I guess. Jeez, these guys. Yeah, I mean, I wonder if there if this uh, is going to play into their choices and personalities down the road. Anyway, alas, yeah, they've washed ashore without even knowing. Yeah, they land on the beach. And they're all happy, uh, a little scared because they see a skull. So their immediate reaction is to get back in the boat, which is dumb. (laughs) Super dumb. Dumb, 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 dumb. Um, But before they do, Miguel realizes that uh, this land that he's seen in front of him looks exactly like his El Dorado map. As it turns out, they very well could be on the same island as the city of gold, brah. El Dorado. Ooh. El Dorado. Yes. Remember that? El Dorado. You drank the seawater, didn't you? Also a trailer line. Your horse bit me in the butt. <laughs> <laughs> okay, let's stop. Let's stop now. We get some more Elton John, bro. The trail we blaze montage. The trail we blaze. <laughs> yeah, again. You're going to be singing that in your shower tomorrow morning. I don't know why you're bagging on it right now. It was stuck in my head, but just like look listen to the lyrics of this song man again it goes back to what i said earlier it reminds me of the old hobbit movie where they're just like or the old lord of the rings movie where it's just like frodo set upon the quest to on the trail we blaze 
good to me, dude. It's just that like sing-songy like narrative, just like well, we're going on a trail, gonna find our glory. <laughs> it's, it's good old. At one point, they get music. fucking buck ass naked, though, dude. Yeah, we get to see some butts, some animated buns, similar to I haven't seen animated buns these nice since Titan AE. Oh my god, and they are they are nice animated butts. Their clothes get stolen by asshole monkeys, and yeah, you know a lot of temple traveling landscape navigating yeah they're 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 blazing trail they are blazing a trail indeed this also reminded me the animation of crash bandicoot all right well that's the end of nostalgia be damned forever we're never (laughs) no come on there's that part where that horse is like leaping over those pillars and i kept expecting that little witch doctor bark-faced guy you know Oh, did you, did you, did you love Crash Bandicoot, Brandon? You know what? I don't, I didn't play many games (laughs) growing up. And so Crash Bandicoot meant a lot to me. And you cutting it down like this, Mm -hmm. it actually really affects me. And I'm going to have to have this conversation with a professional coming up soon. I'm just saying, Brandon, play a better platformer. Okay. That's my fucking, that's what I'm going to say. Yeah, that's. Yeah, yeah. Pretend like no other platform in the world existed. Like Super Mario World wasn't a thing, Brandon. Yeah, but it's Crash Bandicoot. (sighs) So anyway, they finally blaze their trail. And they end up at the end of the map. And what what do you know, Brandon? There's nothing fucking there. Just an enormous goddamn Stonehenge-looking rock with some drawings on it, some etchings. He recognizes that as a landmark on the map, but there's nothing there. Just some, a fucking lake and a waterfall behind them. But what do you know? Out of the corner of their eye, a native woman, Chell. Hold on, hold on. This babe. You know, I, I didn't want to feel good about it, but she is a gorgeously animated character. <laughs> Ew, you sicko. <laughs> yeah, I know. I'm going to get tweets on that. But yeah, Chell. Is that her name? Chell? Chell, yes. Rosie Perez. She stole something from someone, and she's sprinting their way. Yep, and she's being followed by a bunch of soldiers. They see Miguel and Tulio sitting on their horse and realize they look exactly like the depiction of the gods on that rock, Brandon. So what, is it just because they kind of look like the drawing? Is it because they're white? My assumption is because they are white. They're on an animal that they've never seen before, a horse. True, yes, yep. And, uh, you know, and they just happen to be standing out in front of an ancient stone and look exactly like the ancient stone. Like, it, you know, it kind of checks out. It's a little assumptive, I guess, but that they would just automatically, like, be that dumb to be like, oh, that's the gods. But, you know, but we got to move this movie along somehow. I guess it's a real white savior type movement I wasn't uh, reading into till right now. It sure is, Brandon. Well, they are so amazed by them and their horse that they escort them through the waterfall and there's this goddamn stupid little armadillo that keeps following them around second hilarious silly little sidekick yeah uh yeah they go through the waterfall very black panther style wakanda forever Mm-hmm. and uh they walk in and there it is the city of fucking gold brah and we're introduced to two other characters that are pretty important later on there's chief tanabok is that it? I'm going to try it with these names. Chief Tanabok, Edward James Olmos. Yes, I just called him Chief. Yeah, I mean, he's the King Chief of Eldorado, and he's pretty uh, good-natured, very sweet. He's a big, big guy. You can tell that he's cool because he's a big old fat guy. Who's immediately not cool. I already, I get bad vibes off this guy as he speaks. It's, oh God, Chekhi Khan? 
Seki Khan? Chekel Khan. I'm just going to say the high priest. He's the high Chekel priest. Khan. It's Armand Asante who's doing the voice. I really like his, his Chekel Khan. trail here. Actually, most of the voice cast, all of the voice casting is pretty good here. Yeah. I think everybody did a really good job in this movie voice acting wise. Uh, one of the soldiers on the voyage to the New World, by the way, was voiced by none other than Tobin Bell, Jigsaw himself. I don't, I couldn't point out which one it was, but, uh... Is he the guy with the, the Jaguar pelt? Ooh, he very well could be. No, he's the owner of the map, I'm sorry. He's the owner of the map. Oh. So everyone waiting out there with bated breath. You can put down your pencils and your spears. Go ahead and Google owner of the map. Uh, it'll just take you right to exactly where you need to be. No fucking questions asked. Well, I'm sorry. If you needed to know his name, the sailor's name, it's uh, Zaragoza. That's Z-A-R-A-G-O-Z-A. So. Well, again, uh, this movie this movie is so popular and famous, and that character meant so much in the history of animated movies. Uh, you can just Google owner of the map, and Google will know what you're talking about. Either way, this high priest, he's a real dick, and he sounds like he's a real dick right off the bat. Uh, they immediately believe that Miguel and Tulio are gods. Hilarious. The priest basically, though, is kind of like, you know, prove it. He seems to be expecting them. He keeps mentioning it's the year of the Jaguar or something, but the chief is apprehensive about this whole deal. He seems kind of standoffish and, and kind of questioning whether or not they're gods in the first place. But the priest is very quick to agree that they are. You know, he asks, like, for a demonstration of their terrible power, and it, it just so happens a volcano is erupting off in the distance, and, the, you know, through a whole, like... Thing of like being overwhelmed tulio ends up yelling stop and the volcano just stops brandon they're lucky fucking guys that's what it comes down to they're just lucky guys and uh one of them will get lucky maybe if you know what i mean brandon gross <laughs> but naturally everyone believes they have godlike powers so they're given these luxurious quarters they're treated like gods and for a moment they're on cloud nine. They're like, holy shit, we can milk this for a while, get all the gold we want, and then bounce the fuck out of here. Until Chell overhears them talking about this, and, you know, she essentially blackmails them into taking her with them when they steal the gold, or else she's just going to, like, hang them out to dry, and they won't know anything about the religion or the culture and just expose them for the frauds that they are. Yeah, she wants in so she can get out of El Dorado because she's looking for adventure. And I'm sure in the sequels, she may have gotten it. There's something else that she wants in, if you know what I mean, Brandon. Yeah, let's just say her thirst is quenched. Unquenchable in this movie. That's true. Yeah, it really is unquenchable. And so are the guys, but they're able to maintain some level of dignity or at least respect for the beginning part here. They agree to let her help them. And one of the things that Tulio says right off the bat is that, yeah, Chell is obviously a fucking babe, but she's off limits. We cannot, we have to agree that we cannot give in to temptation. We've got a plan. We got to stick to it. And so we get the only song in this movie that is not sung by Elton John. Uh, we get uh, It's Tough to Be a God, Brandon. I like this one. Yeah, it's sung by the two lead actors. This one's pretty good. It's catchy. So, let's be gods. The perks are great. Yeah. El Dorado on a plate. Thank you. Local feeling should not be ribbon. Never rip up, but never rip up a local feeling. No, my friend. It's tough to be a god. But if you get the people's god, count your blessings. Yeah, keep them sweet. That's our advice. It's great advice. 
I remember it being one of my favorite songs when I was younger. And again, part of the reason is the colors in this uh, are very cool. I, it's kind of a nice change of pace from just the consistent like Elton John like doing his own thing. Not that I don't enjoy Elton John, but it's kind of nice to get like the actual characters doing their thing. This is one I could see uh, a lot of feet stomping in the theater. I can see oh, yeah. you as a child on the bed with your comb in your hand, singing into a microphone to an audience of teddy bears, mm-hmm. jerking off, mm-hmm. oh. doing backflips on your bed, and your parents are walking in saying, what are you doing, Zach? Please stop. And you're just screaming, it's tough to be a god, mom. This sounds oddly specific and maybe specific, yeah. taken from some sort of experience, Brandon someone's past experiences yes yours <laughs> not mine right. not deflecting <laughs> yeah uh moving on from whatever that was uh they get super fucking drunk yes everyone starts partying raging hard all sorts of food you know they're throwing hot babes at them but they're not accepting you know they're just getting massages and stuff but they're not doing anything immoral at this time no they're just you know they're flirting with women and they're drinking a lot and they're just enjoying their god status they've got god gear too they're all decked out into some gold and bracelets and they're shirtless but then they wake up the next morning clearly hung over and the high priest is uh doing a little bit of a ceremony he's about to fucking sacrifice a human being in their honor <laughs> yes classic civilian sacrifice hilarious but they wind up stopping him right at the last minute and say hey man listen, you know, we're not really into sacrifice and that's cool. And then the chief is like, yo, what about some gold, y'all? And they're like, fuck yeah, the chief's more our style. You know, the, the stars just aren't aligning for uh, a, a sacrifice. And I actually think this is probably one of the funniest parts of the movie as they're dragging him away. And he's just like, stars, sorry, man, not going to work out. <laughs> oh, yeah. He's just like, not today. <laughs> yeah, it's, it's pretty good. The chief, though. Uh, offers them a gold sacrifice to Shiboba, which it turns out Shiboba is the underworld, and they they're not made aware of this, so they throw a ton of gold into a waterfall or a whirlpool. Yeah, there's this whirlpool that apparently goes to the you know afterlife. And so they just start chucking <laughs> gold into this thing as they're watching, like, in disbelief and sadness. This doesn't really serve a purpose other than just, like, a brief laugh. Yeah, I mean, I guess gold doesn't mean anything to these people, really. I guess they use it for trade, but yeah. people don't know where they are, and they, no one knows of their existence. They use it for basic infrastructure. <laughs> They also use it for infrastructure, yeah. So I don't know, maybe this is absolute worthless to them. Maybe this is like us throwing pennies, you know, down a drain, which you shouldn't do. <laughs> yeah, I guess. I, I don't know. It's tough to know where they value gold because obviously they value it enough where they're like, well, we need to sacrifice this precious metal to the gods. But it's also just like so abundant that they can just, you know, they don't give a shit about it. I don't know. It's very confusing. Let's not get into the economics of El Dorado. But Chell manages to convince them, oh, now they kind of want to bask in the glory of their gifts instead. So yeah, they have a shit ton of gold and again, back on cloud nine. 
this is though when they start to realize hey we gotta get the fuck out of here like this is we can't just like stay here we gotta figure out a way to get all this gold that they gave us out of here so they convince the chief to build them a boat that will take them out of this city and off into the ocean where they can sail back to spain and the chief says give us three days and we'll make something worthy of the gods Meanwhile, Cortez is arriving on the shores of El Dorado and spots their tracks, and uh oh, he's on their scent, dude. He's on their path. Also, uh, Zekel Khan, the chi- the uh, high priest. See how I got that name right, Brandon? That's his name. Um, Zekel Khan. Zekel Khan. Okay, all right. Zekel Khan. Yep. Zekel Khan is uh, growing. Uh, maybe not suspicious at this point, but confused by the actions of the god. He kind of you know from all of his studies as a priest just knows that the gods are more vengeful and violent these guys have kind of shirked at violence the whole time and are being kind of nice to the population oh yeah they're being nice to the population and chell is being nice specifically to tulio she is getting thirstier and thirstier fucking convinces miguel okay this is where we have to kind of like put yeah, we have to pump the brakes on this movie a little bit <sighs> because she convinced she convinces Miguel to leave so she can fucking get it in with Tulio. She wants some time alone with T Bird, and this is this also becomes a very famous thing because at one point the the high priest Ekelkan decides to come and ask Tulio what is going on. Why aren't you being violent? And uh, this is kind of a famous scene because you hear some kissing noises. And fucking Chell, her head pops up like she's giving fucking Tulio a blowjob. A little blowjibber. She's absolutely blowing him. There's no way. Because the, the, where her head placement is yep. in comparison to his head when they lift their their heads up. Yeah, that's that's some risque stuff going down. She's handing out a little blowjibber in this PG-13 film. PG. Oh, no, it's PG. PG. Yeah, that's right. Not a PG-13 film. It should be a pg-13 film at this point i mean it is this i remember pausing this movie and being like having to take a breath because i was like wait who is this for <laughs> like what what is this what <laughs> sweat dripping off your brow yeah, what is wrong with like them like flirting a little bit they were like full on like but just like putting out the sexual tones in this it's crazy for the foley alone this deserves an r yeah i mean just it's it's brutal man and uh not for kids don't know what uh <laughs> what they were thinking so the streets of el dorado are completely empty because the high priest has been placing orders under the god's name for all these soldiers to clear the streets and to punish anyone who goes against their will so i no one's wandering around and miguel doesn't really you know appreciate that so he gives some guards the day off and we get this other song that without question one remember that one yes i do remember that one brandon thank you where he falls in love with the city you know to elton john and it's people yeah and it's people he re- he saves one dude from execution too no big deal yeah whatever just a fucking normal day in the life this white savior (laughs) he even like he makes a little mandolin which the locals immediately pick up and know how to play like experts it's it's fucking impressive then he starts playing ball with them right with some street rats yeah it's almost like a little soccer thing they're just kind of like kicking the ball around bouncing it and that's when zekel khan and tulio show up and zekel khan's like "The, the god shouldn't be playing ball in the street like children and they go into a stadium and he's like we're gonna play a real fucking game 
perfect for the gods. Yeah, and it's like this apocalypto-style kickball game using your hips. Yeah. It's very confusing, where you got to get it into this ring on the corner of a wall, and it's a cool scene. It's essentially a mix of basketball and soccer, I guess, because you like you are allowed to use your feet. You're not allowed to use your hands. You have to put it in through like this fucking hor- uh, vertical hoop. It's 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 weird, and it goes on really long. Yeah, it's a bit overlong, but it is kind of a fun little action beat. I've noticed that the movie really doesn't have a lot of yeah. action scenes for an for an adventure comedy. You know what I mean? I think a lot of it's just sort of travel and the, and the beauty of this place and the experience of what El Dorado has to offer. Yeah, in its culture, its people, and its you know landscape. But then, really, there isn't a whole lot of action until this scene I, actually, I mean, honestly except for their chase sequences the, the brief ones we got before yeah i mean it is and and besides like the music too like not a lot has been happening so it is kind of like a nice just like kind of break in the plot and they kind of set this up to where it's like okay we'll have 15 of our best players versus two gods it seems unfair to the players because they're gods obviously and uh they're bad at it clearly they're outmatched and they get crushed but luckily, they're little fucking sidekick armadillo, bro. The only purpose that this little armadillo serves in this entire movie, because it's certainly not comic relief. Because he's ball, he's shaped like a ball. Yeah, he can be, he can pose as it, and he starts winning the game for Miguel and Tulio. So he's hopping through the hoop, doing all these impossible shit when they're throwing it like the opposite direction. It'll still somehow go through the hoop. It's a cool way to display their powers, I guess, to an unsuspecting public. It would seem like they were magic with this fucking armadillo doing all this crazy shit. But there's a lot of weird rules to this game. You get like a gold brick per point, yeah. and once the shadow hits the finish line, you're done. Yeah, and apparently, like, and apparently at one point you can ride a horse because the gods are although i guess since they don't know horses it's probably not uh in the in the rules of the game so i think the players union and the league have to discuss that next year uh now that they've been introduced to horses i guess dude more rules than field hockey. yeah i mean and that that sport sucks <laughs> i'm kidding to to all of our field hockey listeners we know there's a lot of you oh <laughs> we are we are we play really big in that demographic yeah i know we do <laughs> Um, but anyway, they wind up winning, obviously, but the losers in the game are typically sacrificed again. This guy, the priest, he is sacrifice happy. Well, and we don't want to get too far ahead because there actually is a plot thing that happens in the last second of this game. Uh, Miguel ends up getting elbowed by Tulio in the face and cuts his forehead a little bit. That's right, dude. And gods don't bleed. Gods don't bleed. And Zekul Khan, who's pissed that his sacrifice, again, isn't being sacrificed, notices the blood on Miguel. And he's like, the gods demand blood because they don't bleed. They don't have any blood. So now he realizes that they're fucking phonies. And how's he going to get his revenge, dude? Jaguar monster, dude. To conjure a giant stone jaguar. Yeah, dude. Meanwhile, we get this uh, fucking, you know, just another little montage of fucking uh, Tulio and Chell banging. Uh, It's very (laughs) crap. It's very graphic, uh, but also Miguel... So much sweat. You know, Miguel is trying to tell the priest, like, oh, the boat's not ready, and the priest realizes, you know, you could just stay if you don't want to go. Like, that's fine. You're a human. I'm fucking well aware. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> like, yeah, that's the thing. Like, 
I get that the chief at first wanted to, he, he questioned whether they were gods at first, and he wasn't willing to like bend over backwards to appease them. And now I guess he knows that they're human and they've been fucking with them and stealing all their gold and fucking all their women. And he's just going to be like, hey, uh, it's cool though. Like, yeah. <laughs> like, but you guys are two cool guys. We like you. I was going to say, to be fair, uh, Miguel, at least, has saved a lot of people's lives at this point. He saved, like, 20, 20 people's lives from being sacrificed by Zekel Khan. So, I like, I can understand why he'd be, like, okay with them at this point. Plus, we've kind of maybe not really established that gold doesn't fucking mean anything to them. Well, I, so I got to ask, do you think that they've been sacrificing people this often before the gods supposedly arrived? I don't think they have been. I don't think they're killing people every day like they are with this. Like, it seems like they ramp up killing when these guys arrive. I don't know, man, because they have a fucking, they have a rich, they have a sacrificial ritual all ready to go in like a place where you would sacrifice people in this little whirlpool place. It's like a staging area. So I would assume that they had some sacrifices beforehand. At least, you know, once or twice. All I'm saying is Miguel and Tulio, you know, they have some guilt. Yeah, well, you know, I'm not going to disagree with you, but no one dies in this movie once they come along. So, you know, you say white guilt, I say white savior. (laughs) Well... I don't, know if you wanna, I don't know if you want to cut that joke or not. That's <laughs> no, that's you. staying. That's, All right. that's staying. <laughs> yeah, that's uh, fine. <laughs> so Miguel finds out that Chell and Tulio have been knocking poots. Classic overhearing at the worst possible time type of deal. Mm-hmm. Like he overhears them saying like, oh, we'll forget Miguel. We'll head back to Spain and do what we want. So Miguel's like, fuck that. I guess I'll just really, that, that confirms it. I'm staying here. Yeah, fuck them. And uh, it's their last night together. And out of the celebration pops the fucking Jaguar monster, dude. Jaguar monster deed! <laughs> jaguar monster deed! The priest, as his magic jaguar juice, you know, gives him power, so he's commanding this thing, you know, breathes some green steam life into it. And yeah, this thing looks kind of like a robot dog. I'm not in love with the. It looked like the Iron Giant if he had a pet or if he was a dog. Yeah, it did. It looked exactly like the Iron Giant. That was. That's, that's a good way of putting it. Uh, I do have to mention that I paused the movie at this point to check the timestamp. Uh, it's very nice of this film to give us two climaxes, Brandon, because this seems like the the ending of the movie. Like everything's gonna resolve itself here. There's another like twenty goddamn minutes in this movie after this fucking Jaguars scene i mentioned the strange structuring of this dude yeah this seems like if i was a betting man i'm like oh i'm getting my my coat ready in the back of my seat like all right well i know you know this is wrapping up here within the next 10 or 15 minutes after they finish killing off this robot dog monster or whatever this thing is Mm -hmm. and uh no no there's a whole bunch more we got to get through (laughs) it's it's bonkers but anyway you know there's a there's a classic chase scene. There's not really a lot to get into. No one dies at any point, uh, even though someone should die. Yeah. Like, but they, you know, they do the PG cop out where like a guy gets squished and like underneath the the foot he goes I'm okay or something like that. No, you're not okay. You at least have internal bleeding. You're dead. You've broken every bone in your body. You're you're gonna die if you're not dead yet. Yeah, like that's the end of your life. Uh, PG thirteen movie. Off we go. Get over it. Yeah, but anyway, it kind of ends with uh, Miguel and Tulio coming to blows in front of Zekel Khan. You know, they're. Th- 
like Tulio wants to do the whole bit that they did in the beginning with the loaded dice that got them out of that situation, but they actually get in a real fight because they kind of air out their grievances with each other that Miguel wants to stay and Tulio wants to run off with Chell. Uh, it ends, though, with Zekulkan somehow fucking falling off into the whirlpool. Yeah, and the the statue dog, too. The statue jaguar. That goes in there, too. Yeah, the statue dog is gone, too. Uh, but he ends up coming out the other end of the river, and who does he fucking meet, dude? Cortez! Cortez, dude! Well, Zekulkan at this point, who was recently... I mean, a day ago, bamboozled by people thinking <laughs> to believe they were gods when they were not. What does he do? He sees Cortez, another white dude. Oh, immediately he must be a god. a god. I'll bring you to El Dorado, the city of gold. <laughs> and so, you know, we get another Elton John song about how friends never say goodbye. Weirdly enough, that's what they're doing in the scene, Zach. They are saying goodbye. Our heroes are saying goodbye. They're separating, Brandon, and they haven't fully made up, but you can tell they're both sort of not feeling great about their life decisions and again this goes back to tulio just wanted gold and maybe a a hot babe (laughs) and uh miguel wanted to be revered and he's living the god life you know amongst a people who think that he's like the fucking best thing that's ever happened except for their chief who's just totally cool with him taking over it's basically like dick cheney and george bush he's just like letting this guy live among the um, and like Letting his people think like, yeah, no, that guy's fucking sweet. Like, what? That guy's what in is control, the yeah. for the chief here? What's going to happen when he starts to age and die? <laughs> like, everybody thinks he's an immortal. Then you get a whole fucking generation of people who believe that God was among them. Maybe God doesn't exist anymore. It's just... That's the thing. I think that's how atheism was born. Right, because... Uh, people realizing, like, there's no way there could be a God. Ted just died. I remember yeah, when he was exactly. supposed to be that God guy, right? <laughs> yeah, God was supposed to stay here, like, forever, and he died at, like, age 40. That's crazy. He choked on a chicken wing at a Denny's. Like, that's no God. <laughs> yeah, that I I don't know if there's a God now. <laughs> well, in case you wanted a different flavor, by the way, of that Friends Never Say Goodbye song, the Backstreet Boys do a cover on the soundtrack. Oh, rough. That's terrible. Julio and Chell, <laughs> they're about to set sail, and they spot Cortez and his men approaching in the distance. So the chief... You know, he readies his soldiers for battle, and Tulio gets the bright idea to prevent Cortez from getting in. They need to crash the boat that they've just built with all the gold, basically blocking the entrance and collapsing the pillars and all this bullshit, preventing anyone from ever coming or going from this place again. (laughs) Hey, maybe take a vote. (laughs) Do we need to leave? Like, don't we need to, like, go out and get stuff? I don't know. I don't know. Like, I haven't seen any (laughs) farms or anything in El Dorado. Like, I'm assuming that they get most of their, like, their harvest from outside the city. But I... If the the only way into this place was that waterfall canyon-like tunnel, I'd say if you surround that place at the entrance, it's pretty easy to beat the people coming through. You just pick them off. There's no other way they can get in. I I think it's a pretty easy fight, honestly. (laughs) Yeah, plus they have to build boats. Like... They have to build boats just to get into the city. They don't have boats. They're fucking Spanish Armada. They're acting like because Zekel Khans are like, no, they're going to get in. And it's like, well, no, not necessarily. Like, I think we should just play this out. <laughs> but nonetheless, they waste all the gold. They have, they put, first of all, all the gold's on the boat, all of the gold. 
they wind up like, sending the ship out it parallel parking it into the two the, the two pillars there and yeah there's this cool trailer jump scene i remember seeing a bunch as a kid of them flying off in mm-hmm. slow-mo giving them faith that maybe that he was a guy Chell looking noise yeah Chell's looking very noise miguel sacrifices his life in el dorado not actually his life but he gives up living in el dorado to help out tulio and uh and Chell escape and save El Dorado, which they do. I thought there was like some sort of last, you know, last stand with Cortez or something like that. No, he just like walks away and he's like, not, nah, not here. And just like turns around. I, dude, I will say these are two of the most unsatisfying villain conclusions yeah. ever because, well, Zekul Khan gets dragged away by the conquistadors, presumably to die of smallpox. I don't know if that or if they're going to kill him. He's, he's clearly a prisoner of war, but it's it t- leaves me with the, the a bad taste in my mouth. I don't want to see my villains. <laughs> like, this is rough. I think what the bigger issue here is, this is why you don't plan your movies to become shows later. Like, you just go with it or you come up with a different villain because I can see now where this movie ends, how they would set this up to be a new movie because in the end, we might as well just go to the end now, uh, Cortez turns around and walks away, looking, keeps on looking for El Dorado. Chell, Miguel, and Tulio are without gold, without, you know, away off the island. So they're just like, all right, well, let's go fucking find something to do. And just right off in the sunset, that's the end of Road to El Dorado. Yeah, the only gold they have, they don't even know they have because it's on the, what, the, yeah. the horseshoes of Ativo? Yeah, it just perfectly sets up a television show where Cortez is the antagonist and they're off looking for their new adventure and still looking for that big score or gold or whatever. So it just, you know, it gives us an unsatisfying ending and just again that sort of presumption of a movie studio to think that this fucking animated film has to be a fucking home run yeah i guess it also could set up seko khan to come back to as a as another villain or another opposing yeah. force because again i just don't like how they end that but kind of unsatisfying i'll agree also like miguel is the best friend i guess a guy can ask for he basically gives up being a god to be a third wheel it is it is nothing at the end of this movie feels satisfying about it like yeah they they saved el dorado and saved the people and assured that no you know kind of explains like why we don't know where el dorado is well because it's hidden and nobody can access it anymore but uh, yeah, it's just like, it's a wholly unsatisfying ending for like every party. Well, if only we had gotten a sequel. It's very similar setup like The Mummy, where they ride off in the distance and they don't know that. They have the little gold in the pouch and they're off to their next adventure. Mm-hmm. You know? If only Brendan Fraser had voiced one of these characters, maybe I'd be singing a different tune. But uh, I'll uh, let's get into it, dude. Our final thoughts. What did you think of the road to el dorado you know i I, i'll just start off by saying this i did not feel a lot of the times when i'm nostalgic about a film that we watch on this podcast even if i don't think the movie's good i'll feel that twinge of nostalgia a little bit um i didn't really feel it for this one there was you know nothing really that stuck out to me in terms of you know, I I like the animation. I like the voice acting a lot in this movie. Uh, there's one or two genuine laughs. Um, the music didn't really do it for me as much as it used to when I was a kid, and the story and plot altogether just wasn't really you know 
fantastic. Like it, it is slow for an action adventure movie, kind of like you you said a couple times throughout the pod. So, um, I'm gonna give it a a fifty percent overall. I don't think it's terrible. I don't think it's a bad movie, and I think critics were a little harsh to it. But um, you know, there's no reason to go back and watch this if you liked it as a kid. I would just kind of remember it for what it is and don't bother trying to relive your childhood through this film yeah i i tend to agree man this was one i i hadn't seen in a long time so i came at it with fresher eyes than you but i will say i like you i didn't necessarily feel any nostalgia for it but i wouldn't really have any because it wasn't one that i i grew up with watching often but i will say that the animation style does kind of bring you back to that Mm -hmm. you know late 90s early 2000s feel same with some of the humor i will say it's not as jokey as a lot of dreamworks animated kids movies are but i will say it doesn't necessarily appeal to kids all that much i'll say like the story itself it seems like it really is geared toward a PG-13 audience and could have benefited from being a bit more risque, a bit more, you know, violent or dark. It just kind of falls in that similar Titan AE space where it's not quite for kids and not quite for adults. So I guess I'd put it in maybe that preteen teenager, like you're just getting out of animated movies. Maybe you'll find a little something, something here. But yeah, I will say that it's got good the blowjobs. Yeah. <laughs> some blowjobs and yeah you might you know discover something about yourself watching chell i know i did Mm. but i will say there's good performances by the uh, cast in in general despite me not being able to distinguish each character uh other than their hair color god damn it i really just wish jeff goldblum had voiced that uh that black-haired character he looks a lot like him yeah he does aside from that (laughs) the animation is pretty good it's it does move by fairly quick i was never necessarily bored although i wasn't excited i was fairly entertained so i'll, I'll kind of match you i'll give it a 55 i won't say it's quite a fresh film but it's it's all right i wouldn't watch it for the nostalgia like you said but if it's something you'd never seen and you want to kind of brush up on your early 2000s mm-hmm. you know deep dreamwork stuff or that that era of animation it's it's maybe worth a watch it's you know it's it's fine it's it's not great um, and it's definitely not something to be nostalgic about, but it's fine. Did we ever mention what the critics gave this movie? Yeah, we did. It was a 6.9 on IMDb and a 48% on Rotten Tomatoes. Okay, so yeah, that was about, we gave it about the same thing as critics, I guess. Yeah, we're about right in line with that. And uh, fun fact, the first plot keywords associated with this movie on IMDb are implied sex. Ooh. Yummy. Well, Brandon, uh, before we tell people what we're doing next week, do you uh, have anything you'd like to recommend? Yeah, I only watched one movie this weekend uh, or this past week. It was the Netflix original, or technically I think they made it and Netflix bought it, but it's uh, Velvet Buzzsaw, Dan Gilroy's latest movie. Mm-hmm. Uh, Jake Gyllenhaal, great cast. Uh, you know, I will say I didn't necessarily enjoy it as much as his previous work, Nightcrawler. Uh, but I will say there, if you if you watch it under the pretense of it being kind of a a horror movie or almost like a slasher, but with art as the killer, I think you'll enjoy it more than if you go into it thinking it's a psychological thriller to be taken seriously. It's it's really pulpy and kind of campy, and the performances are a bit over the top. And I think if you go in with that mindset, you'll like it a bit more. It just didn't take itself as seriously as I was maybe expecting, and so I was taken aback by it. I think if I watch it again under, you know, knowing what it is, I'll probably appreciate it more. But I'd still give it a recommend. It's now on Netflix, so it's not like you gotta 
go out and buy a ticket to it or anything. But uh, if you're in the mood for a weird horror movie, it, it's it's pretty good. Great. Um, I, I actually have that on my list, so I'll probably give that a look later. I'm also going to recommend a Netflix item, although it is not a movie. I did watch it in one sitting. It was very quick, half-hour episodes. Uh, Russian Doll is a show that just got released, I think, this week. Um, it It's kind of a Groundhog Day sort of typish movie, basically, woman dies and wakes up at the same party every time she dies you know that sort of thing it's been done before so one of the things i was a little concerned about when i started watching it was was it going to be fresh enough to do that sort of thing and you know still keep my interest and i'll say this it does it's very weird it's very darkly funny amy poehler actually an executive producer on it um which you wouldn't real what you wouldn't really think of when you look at the trailer it's it's strange but that humor kind of pops out it's actually very funny and it takes a dark weird turn towards the end uh definitely not what i was expecting at all um but it's you know it's a different it's a sort of not really a different you know sort of plot device the whole like waking up and repeating obviously you know like groundhog day that tom cruise movie what is that fucking movie called? Um, Edge of Tomorrow. Edge of Tomorrow. Not Live, Die, Repeat. <laughs> yeah, Not Live, Die, Repeat. Uh, they basically do the same thing, but um, it's it's a different way of looking at it. And it, like I said, it does get a little sort of like psychological, horror-y sort of thing towards the end. So definitely give that a chance. Uh, it's a real quick watch, even though it's I think it's like eight half-hour episodes. It's easy to binge. Well... Our next selection, I believe, is on Netflix currently at the time of recording this. So if you want to get up on that. Last time I checked. If you want to get up on it, check it out before next week. It's a movie that, honestly, we've been talking about since our very first episode about possibly doing. It's been on the list for literally since we've had a list. And I think we've we've been putting yeah, it off. Yeah, and I think we've avoided <laughs> yeah, it. We've been yeah, we've avoided putting it, it off and putting it off. But we've also gotten requests for it too. So I think it's just finally fucking time that we do it. We might as well just rip the Band-Aid off. And with a new installment of this franchise hitting this summer, mm-hmm. it seems kind of the right time to finally cover 1998's Gojira. Oh, starring, uh, uh, what's his fucking name? Ferris Bueller himself. Ferris Matthew Bueller. Broderick. Matthew Broderick. Ah, is that a giant lizard coming toward me? I have not seen it since I was a kid. Big fan of this. As uh, adolescent Brandon, uh, I had a giant, uh, an actual rubber hand puppet mm. that had the Godzilla sound effect and everything. And then when you opened its mouth, you could press the button on there, dude. It was pretty dope. It was legit. It was official. I also liked this movie, too, for some reason. So uh, we're going to have to see it. But I, I don't think I've seen it sober in many, many years. I probably gave it like half a try when I was drunk one night. But uh, I'm interested to see what it's like because obviously not universally loved. not fondly remembered but uh tune in next week to hear our thoughts on that and if you want to shoot us a request for a movie you'd like us to review send us an email at nostalgiabedamnedpod at gmail.com you can also shoot us a message on facebook or on twitter and uh don't forget you can listen to this in any episode of nostalgia be damned by checking out nbd.podbean.com you can also find us on apple podcasts itunes and a couple other podcasting uh apps you'll have to look for it always remember to 
subscribe, share with a friend, please. We're trying to get this out as much as we can. And don't forget to write us a little uh, friendly or not so friendly review. Any little bit of notoriety helps. Thank you for listening and peace out. Bye. Bye.